You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. What I'd like to do this morning is, is direct your attention to 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to look at just five verses and we're going to talk about the need for a good shepherd. And so if you will, please stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's word. And I love this passage for this reason. I think it prepares us for our share week that we're entering into. Because if you are looking for a place to begin your work, your calling, your ministry that God has called you to do, well, this week will be a great week for you in your walk as you will be able to see where God is moving and what God wants from your life. Let's listen to this story of David's being anointed king of Israel. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are bone, are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months and at Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. Let's pray. Lord, this passage is a reminder, Lord, that you call us out to serve And I don't know that anybody in this room is called to be a king like David was, but I know that every single believer in this room has been called to make a difference for your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that every one of us today will walk out of here ready and willing to serve you with all of our heart. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, brothers and sisters, when it comes to leadership, there's only been one perfect leader and the Romans nailed him to a cross. You can be the very best influencer in your church, in your community, and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy moving forward for you. If we really want to serve the Lord, church, we need to get ready for spiritual warfare. We should not be surprised when difficulties come up. Our passage here today deals with David's initial anointing as king. And again, it's kind of hard sometimes to look at David and say, well, you know, I'm not David. I'm not, I'm not a shepherd, literally. I'm not a king, literally. I'm not a warrior, literally. But I'll say this. If you are a Christian, you are called to be an influencer. You are called to be one who brings influence wherever you go for the kingdom of God. It is absolutely imperative for the church today to get it in their head that we are called to make a difference, each one of us, in our own way. You are called to influence. And I believe this. We've been talking about what it means to be a good neighbor. Good neighbors, every single one of us, we we need to ask God uh, to help us what, it, what that looks like and how we can be good shepherds. Now, when we think about the good shepherd, of course, that's Jesus. But David also was a shepherd. And I think each of us, 
We have the right and privilege to be a shepherd. And our neighbors right now, hear this, our neighbors need us to be good, solid shepherds. Our neighbors need us to be influencing for the kingdom of God because the influences of the enemy surround us. The negativity of the culture is permeating us. And it is time for us to push back. We need to push back and ask what it's going to take for us as thoughtful believers in Christ to really help change people's lives in the name of Jesus. Jesus is in the business of transforming lives. Johnny believes it. So I got Johnny with me. Your life was changed. Now, here's the thing. What a sad, sad state of affairs when Jesus changes us and then we're not that excited about being change agents in the lives of others. What we have to do is remember the joy of our salvation and then joyously share it. But the reason why we're not is because we're, we're just kind of flat right now. I mean, let's just face it. Congregation, we're just flat right now. And we're flat because it's been a hard season but you've been changed. Quit looking around you and look up to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Start looking around you and, and see not the problems, but the potential that this difficult time has brought. We need people to stand up and be good shepherds in their community. We need you. This is the time. This is the time. People are going to listen to the gospel, I believe, in the next year like never before because so many of the things that we have held dear, so many of the comforts that we've been clinging to have been ripped away from us. And Christian, we can't sit around and complain about that. What we have to do is open our eyes and see where God is working. You and me, we've got to see it. And we need to do the work of the kingdom. Saul was the, the people's choice. Saul was the people's choice, but David was God's choice. And I want you to know something. You are God's choice. If you are saved, you are God's choice. He called you. He saved you. He wants you to make a difference. And I want you to feel that, that joy. So what's your purpose what is your purpose? Is your purpose to come and just be fed? Is your purpose to, to just come and, and enjoy some worship uh, once a week? No, your purpose is bigger than this. You are called to shepherd along with all of us, all of us moving in the direction that God would have us go. I think we've let the world define what it means to be a leader long enough. I think it's time for us to see this biblical image of each church member passionately on fire for God, doing the work of God. So let's begin with our first point. I'm drawing from 2 Samuel 5 verses 1 and 2 here. A true leader needs no title. We don't need titles. We need servants of the Lord. Let me just draw your attention for a moment to the New Testament Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verse 45. Now, hear this. The Son of Man, we are told, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. 
There is our model for ministry. That we are called not just to be saved and go to heaven, but we are saved and then called to help other people find Jesus. We need to serve people. But I want you to see that part of the secret of this verse is the title Jesus chose. He did not choose the title Messiah here. He did not choose some glorious picture of kingship like we see in Philippians chapter 2. No, he chose the phrase son of man. Now, that's a loaded term. If you go back into the book of Daniel, you'll see that that's connected with the ancient of days. Those who would have read Mark's gospel first would have realized that Jesus in a sideways kind of way was connecting himself with God Almighty. That's that's a big deal. But I think Jesus chose this particular title for another reason. I think he chose it because it's a no title title. It's a no title title. It's, it's not something that has the kind of pizzazz or, or the kind of pop that other names could have. Jesus had all wisdom and all power and all knowledge. And he chose to become a servant and to call himself the son of man. Too many people today are longing for titles. They're longing to be acknowledged. And Jesus is showing us another way. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. If if any of you have watched uh, the the show that was really big a few years ago, The Office, one of the most endearing characters in The Office is Dwight Schrute. Dwight Schrute is is a hardworking guy, but Dwight Schrute likes to be in charge. And so much does he want to be in charge that he wants the title assistant to the regional manager. Now, if you listen to that, assistant to the regional manager, that's not a real position at all. Now, the assistant regional manager would be a position. But here's a guy who wants a title more than anything else in the world. Well, listen, in the kingdom of God, we don't need Dwight Schrute. We don't need the person that wants the title, that is longing for power. We want everything that God gives us, we want to give it away. We want to give away every good gift that God has given us. We don't need the title. I think Jesus talking about the son of man is a reminder here that those who serve best are not worried about the title. In fact, I think that that son of man is very incarnational. He is, he is identifying with us. He's showing us that he is one of us. Now look closely at the text with me again. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Now here in the context of scripture, what we have here is the house of Saul has finally completely fallen. The last uh, heir of Saul is gone. We see this in the earlier chapters of this book. And now the elders of Israel have come and they've agreed to follow David. Samuel long ago has anointed King uh, David as king. But it's not until this moment that he actually takes over the job. However, I want you to notice in this passage, notice what it says. Notice that when the people speak and the Lord speaks, in particular in verse 2, he says, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel and you shall be prince over Israel. I think it's interesting that that word shepherd is the first word and the key word that God uses in describing David. Now, when you read these two verses, you begin to notice 
that David, even before he was officially called king in Hebron, the people acknowledged you were the one, even when Saul was king, you were the one that was serving the people. Think about David's life and those early chapters that we've already discussed. He was the one that was bringing food to his brothers. He was serving by bringing food to his brothers. He was the one who fought Goliath when no one else would. But when you look at David, you see him serving others. He is serving the kingdom. He is not serving himself. That, my friends, is what God, I think, is trying to tell us. David didn't need a title because he had a calling. And I want to ask you this, you may have a title, you may have a title like pastor or you may have a title like elder or deacon, but friends, every single one of you, it's not important that you have a title, but it is absolutely necessary that you have a calling. What does that look like? Not too long ago, I ran across this in one of the books I was reading. I've heard it before, so I'm not going to give credit because it's, you know, it's like everything else in preaching, you know, somebody stole it from somebody, stole it from somebody, you know how that is. But here's how it goes. What is the difference between a job, a career, and a calling? Well, there were these three bricklayers and they were building a church. One by one, somebody went up to each one of those bricklayers and asked the first one, what do you do? And the guy said, I am laying bricks. Well, that guy had a job. The second guy was asked and he said, I am building a church. Well, that guy had a career. And the final guy was asked the same question and he said, I'm building the house of God. And he had a calling. We are here to build the house of God. And we may be just laying bricks. Sometimes like with this sermon, I feel like I'm laying an egg. But anyway, we may be laying eggs or bricks, whatever the case may be. But if we're doing it, then friends, that is the calling that God has on your life. You don't need a title. You just need to serve. You need to be a shepherd, a shepherd leader. Shepherds care for others rather than caring for self. Our Christian heart should beat for God and others. And we can't accomplish anything as long as we are selfish. If you love Jesus, you will work for him and for those he came and died to save. You don't need a title to do that, but you need to dig down deep. You need to start serving him with all your heart. Now listen, you have to be called by God. A true leader is called by God. We see this in the passage too. One of the many reasons I think we have so many failures in leadership in our day, though, is because leadership in the church too often is all about me. Now, we can see it. It it really is. Listen, when you stand in the pulpit, every mistake that I make is magnified, okay? But, But when you are doing ministry, there's mistakes in your heart, too. And I think all of us, as we're trying to serve the Lord, one of the biggest mistakes we make is we start claiming things like it's ours, my ministry. I lead in this area. My, my, mine, and not ours or his. Such a big mistake. A very easy mistake to make, to be me-centered rather than God-centered. A true leader is called by God. Now listen to this. The Christian servants of old who finished well did so because their communion was, with God was rich enough to defeat their infatuation with self. And I think a lot of ministry dies because we are more infatuated 
with ourselves than with the Savior. We, we, we become proud of what we can do. I don't know if you've noticed this, but I sure have. I can't do anything unless the Holy Spirit empowers me. And if that's true for the preacher, that's true for the parishioner. If that's true for the man in the pulpit, it's true for the man or woman in the pew. It's just the way it is. We need the Holy Spirit filling us like never before. This community needs more than a church that does ministry. This community needs a church that does Holy Spirit influenced and empowered ministry. Nothing less. We need God-called people doing God-sized uh, God tasks for the kingdom of God. We need that today like never before. In the second half of uh, Samuel 5, or 2 Samuel 5, 2, we see this. And the Lord said to you, you shall be shepherd of my people, Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. They were this man was called by God. David was. The elders in chapter 5 verse 3, they highlight this. They say, David, you're the man. Now this doesn't seem like a big deal, but you have to remember that the northern tribes for a long time didn't really get along with the southern tribes. And so for David to bring them together in unity was a sign that this was a clear call of God. It was a sign that God's people, they were getting their hearts right and that God was leading them. Friends, one of the ways we know that God, his power and his presence, his calling is on us in a heavy way is that there's unity and there's peace. When there's friction, we just, we, we need to stop for a moment and say, okay, where, where is my sin? Where is our sin? What do we need to do to find where God is and to recover and restore his presence? Oh, Saul had turned leadership in Israel into a royal mess because he stopped following God. He stopped hearing the call of the Lord. And friends, it is easy for us to do the same thing today. Oh, if God is the one guiding you, he will guide you to spiritual success. Now, right now, I've shared this with our staff many times. It's hard to measure success in ministry right now. It really is. I mean, what does success look like in the COVID age? Quite frankly, just seeing this crowd in here, to me, is, is something I celebrate. I've said that before. Just, just having people in the room is something to celebrate. But it's hard right now. It is hard to keep your focus unless... Unless your focus is on Jesus, unless you are saying it's not about the metrics and the measurables, but it's about being close to Jesus. We need to draw unto Jesus right now. We need to trust that his promises are still with us. Listen, there are no, there's no expiration date on God's promises. Whatever God promised this church before COVID is still in effect. The dreams and the visions that God gave us before COVID-19 are still valid. God has not changed. Have our hearts been hurting? Have we felt a shift, a seismic shift, maybe even in the culture? Yes, but that doesn't change a thing when it comes to who God is and what God wants to do. Don't forget that. But if God has called you, why aren't you working? If you have a calling in your life, why aren't you getting with it? Second Corinthians 1.20 says this, for all the promises of God 
find their yes in Jesus. That is why we utter our amen to God for his glory. Listen, Jesus said yes and received you into his family. And Jesus says yes, and he has called you into a specific ministry. And if you have been telling Jesus no lately because of the circumstances, I want to challenge you to turn your no into a yes. I want to challenge you to, you know, put it out there. Realize that this is the time to be that child of God that you're called to be. You have this calling on your life. God's word tells us what the will of the Father is. He is asking us, I think, to serve. I think the scriptures from beginning to end not only show us how to be saved, but show us how to serve. And we need to serve. There are hurting people in this church and around this church. Hurting people will listen to holy people. One of the reasons why maybe we're not as effective in reaching hurting people is because we've not been dwelling close enough to the glory. The closer you get to the glory, the more holy you will become. And the more holy you are in Christ, the more healing your words and actions will be. Your calling, notice this, is first and foremost to be a worshiper of God, to draw near unto him. And when you do that, and when the holiness of God begins to fill you, you will make a difference for the kingdom. The church needs holiness. We need each one of us determining that we are going to draw near to Jesus during this time. That if nothing else, we're going to come out of COVID-19 closer to Jesus. Because if we do that, the ministry we do will shake the world. We need this sweet communion. And finally, we need to remember that we're never alone. If you are a leader for the kingdom of God, you are never alone. It has been said many times that um, it's lonely in leadership, lonely at the top, whatever uh, phrase you want to use there. And I know in ministry, that can be very true. As, as a senior pastor for all these years, starting out at age 19 in a small country church, I can tell you um, it's real easy to feel alone in a small country church, even more than feeling alone in a larger church like this. It is very easy to just think that you've got to do it all, that you've got to figure it all out. But one of the things I love about this passage is it reminds me that the devil is a liar when it comes to that isolation and loneliness. If I choose isolation and loneliness, I've been listening to the other fella instead of Jesus. If I choose to do it alone, that's a choice I've made that's probably on the side of sin in terms of the equation. But when I join my heart with other people, when I, when I say we can do it better together as opposed to I'm the only one that can do it, one of the big problems I've seen in the church is territorialism. The thought that I have to do it because no one else knows how to do it like me. That's a sure way that whatever ministry God's given you dies with you. Because you're not going to disciple anybody. You're not going to teach them that valuable skill. I think one of the things I love about this passage is, is that David understands that he needs those elders. Take a look at 2 Samuel 5, 3. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron. 
And King David made a covenant with them at Hebron. Now that's important. David had elders that helped him. There he makes a covenant with them, but we see that they are a part of helping him reign for the rest of his kingship. David understood how important it was to surround himself with godly believers. If you are going to be a difference maker for the kingdom, then you have to be willing to put people around you to hold you accountable and to drive you forward. We're going to talk about share week and we're going to talk about all the things that you can do to serve the Lord. But don't think for a moment, I'm asking you to serve the Lord in Lone Ranger style. I'm asking you to serve the Lord alongside your brothers and sisters in Christ. When I came to Ridgecrest, one of the things that thrilled my soul was that we have a plurality of elders. There are men in this room and men in our church that hold me accountable that help me think issues through. It is so easy for someone in my position to think that it's all on my shoulders. And I am so glad that I have people around me that say it's not just on you, pastor, it's on us. Whatever you're doing for the Lord, let me ask you this. Do you have that same group, that same kind of dynamic where you have people around you who care for you, who will challenge you? Because guess what? Sometimes we say and do silly things. And it's really helpful when someone comes up to us and says, that was a silly thing. (laughs) Or, Or maybe even more, that was just stupid. Sometimes that's what I need to hear. We need those people in our lives. We need those individuals who remind us, sometimes for the good and sometimes when it hurts, that we are never alone. We need that so desperately, church. That's why we need to be together in fellowships, small groups, uh, whatever it is that you're doing to build those relationships. Understand that's not just window dressing on your Christianity, but that is a core principle of who you are. We have to be together because the enemy is always trying to divide and conquer. Jesus, most of all, promises us, though, that we will never be alone. He will be with us. If you will surrender to him today, he will be with you and he will never let you go. I'm convinced that that winning a soul is not something I can do alone. In fact, the times when I've had the privilege of leading someone to the Lord, it's been, I was just the last link in the chain. Where, where people had prepared a heart for maybe decades and the Lord allowed me to be the one to share the gospel that one time when, when the Spirit said, Jesus is Lord. But hear me, many times we won't be able to have that wonderful experience, but you and I, we are always called to be part of the process. I'm asking you, Ridgecrest, to be part of the process. I'm not saying that every time you tell somebody about your faith in Christ, I'm not telling you that every time you do a kind deed of ministry that someone's going to get saved, but do you realize every time you do that, you are joining with other Christians in a chain that connects that individual eventually with Jesus. We have the numbers at Ridgecrest. We have plenty of saints, but what we must also have are saints who are doing their part, who are contributing as God has gifted them. We have the numbers. 
But we need you, each of you, to do your part. This share week that we're about to have is an opportunity for you to refocus, to rethink, to experience revival in your own heart. Oh, every single one of you in this room, you, you are in desperate need of Jesus. And I'm not saying that because I'm saying you're lost, that you don't know Jesus, but don't you see how desperately you need Jesus? If you don't know him, yes, you need him most of all. Your, your soul is in great danger. But I want to say this, if you're not a believer, a Christ follower, I want you to know this, I'm just as desperate for Jesus as you are. I'm just as much in need of his spirit's guidance in my life. I need him every hour, every minute, every second. But this morning, I want you to know this. If you feel God is moving in your heart, you're not going to be able to make a difference for the kingdom until you get to be a part of the kingdom. And if Jesus is calling you, it's time. It's time right now to receive him. I also just want to say to you, if you're here today, and many years ago, maybe even weeks or months ago, I don't know, but a long time ago, God gave you a very clear calling in your life. And for whatever reason, you've not taken those next steps to be faithful in that way. For me, I was called to ministry when I was 15 years old. And it wasn't until my early, uh, well, my late teens, 18 years into 19 years of age that I said yes to that. So what does that tell me? It tells me that it's very possible to have a calling and then uh, put it off. And I wonder how many people here today have a call to some ministry or to a mission and you've put it off and put it off and put it off. If your life is dry spiritually right now, it may be an obedience problem. And I ask you, if the Spirit is convicting you in that way, if you know what you're called to do, it's time to get right with God. As I was studying this passage at the end of the week, I ran across a couple passages that really grabbed my heart. Jeremiah 50 verse 7 speaks of the Lord as our habitation of righteousness. One translation said that the Lord is our pasture. I thought that was really, really beautiful. A great translation there. Here, here's the thing. If you will draw near to Jesus, he will feed you what you need. Are you feeling weak today in your faith? Join the club. Join the club. I feel weak too. So what are we going to do? Well, when I'm feeling weak, I need to eat. The Lord is inviting us into his pasture to fill our hearts with his truth again, to get where we need to get. If we are obediently following the good shepherd, our lives will facilitate spiritual fruitfulness and we will see a multiplication of God's flock. We see this in Jeremiah 23.3. And I'm going to ask you right now, where is the fruit in your life? Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.